Welcome to the latest episode of Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. Today's guest is Troy Cogburn, Director of Intelligence for Vision Ventures. Troy shares his thoughts with GTDC CEO Frank Mitagliano on what's driving investments and what the VC community is investing and how IT is at the center of it all. Enjoy the conversation and don't forget to check out our newest study titled Investment Trends in the IT Industry on our website, www gtdc.org. Uh, welcome everybody to another edition of the GTDC Beyond Distribution podcast. I am really excited today to have Troy Cogburn, who's the Director of Vation Research and Intelligence. It, uh, it'll be great to talk to you because you recently helped us with a report that we released on the investment trends in IT uh, in the technology space. So, but before we get there and start talking about that, let's talk a little bit about you, Troy, and your background, and also a little bit about Vation, if you will. Sure. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for having us on the podcast. I'm really excited about this. And it was really fun uh, working together, putting together that investments in IT trends report. So uh, to give you a little background on me, so you mentioned it, I'm the director of Vation Intelligence here at Vation Ventures. Uh, really responsible for uh, putting together research on emerging technologies in innovation. And I'll dive into that in just a second, just to give you a little bit on my background prior to Vation. Uh, so I graduated with a computer science degree from Colorado State University, thinking I was going to be a coder. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into the coding industry. I'm going to be a software engineer. Well, turns out during one of my internships, uh, I fell in love with IT research. I didn't know how many technologies were out there. I fell in love with how fast technology changes and being on kind of the cutting edge. And so I spent a roughly six years at a reseller, really focused on helping them identify new and emerging partners. Uh, and so that was really exciting for me to help kind of build and research and curate these new partners for the reseller and really help drive new revenue streams. And so uh, that's where I met Joe, and then Joe introduced me to Dave, and then eventually br they brought me on board over here at Vation Ventures, and so I've been here uh, about two and a half years now. And while I've been here, there's kind of been two problems that I've been trying to solve. One, research is really lengthy at the moment, and so when from my findings in my previous role, a lot of folks don't have time to read a 120 minute report. And so thinking about like CIOs, CTOs, they want just the facts and they want it now. Uh, so we're really focused on providing clear and concise research. And then the other thing that we found is a lot of research today doesn't actually include a lot of the startups and emerging technologies and innovation. And so we're really focused on including these new disruptive technologies because they they are going to be the the emerged or the large enterprise technologies that will be adopted. They're just in the making. And so uh, we're really focused on trying to shed light on where markets are going and who are the new uh, technologies coming to market. So, uh, and that's just one piece of Vation Ventures. I'll give you the quick uh, overview, maybe elevator pitch of Vation Ventures. Really, our goal is to pr bring the high-tech ecosystem together to help them innovate. And so really, Innovation's hard. A lot of end customers are tasked with innovating. They have to decide what that means. And so we're helping uh, the whole high-tech ecosystem innovate from 
uh, the venture capital to startups, to large OEMs, to distributors, to resellers, all the way down to the end customer. And we do that in three ways, which is we have uh, an executive community. And so we've got a community of around 1,200 CXOs, CTOs, CIOs that meet together on a, a biannual basis all around innovation. Uh, and then we also have a more tight-knit uh, roundtable group where we're focused on bringing people together around a very specific problem. And so we get some IT practitioners to wrap about the topic. The next thing that we have is consulting. And I'll just real quick, we consult to the uh, end customers about building innovation practices. And then we also consult to OEMs and startups and VCs about go to market. So how do you go to market as innovation? And then the last piece, which is where my group falls under is our SaaS research platform, which really is intended for folks to really learn about emerging technologies in a really clean and concise way, whether it's from our research or doing their own research. So uh, that's really me and Bation in, in a nutshell there, Frank. Yeah, you you guys, um, obviously, I'm very familiar, and I know much of our audience is certainly familiar uh, with with Vation. Dave's been on, and, you know, we've, we've spent some time talking to Dave, and, uh, you know, his background, uh, very similar to mine, and what you guys are doing is actually very unique from the standpoint of pulling together all the different parts of... Um, not only the ecosystem, but also the end user, um, you know, uh, environment. Uh, and, and that is unusual. Most times when people talk about the channel, you know, they talk about the solution providers, the distributors, the vendors. Um, mm -hmm. Every now and then they might talk about, you know, the VCs and, and what they're doing. Um, but rarely does anybody pull it all together and talk about all of that, plus do it from an end user perspective. So, I give you guys a lot of credit uh, for that, and it's really interesting. Um, well, good. So, Troy, you we recently released, um, you know, our our latest research paper um, called the GTDC Investment Trends in the IT Industry, and the idea was to take a look at not just from a distribution standpoint, but from the from the entire industry. You know what's happening? What's happening with valuations? What 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 are people um, view as you know significantly really good investments? Investments that you know will endure over the long term and why? And and just kind of a primer in some cases for some of the basics: who's making the investments? Why are they making them? What do they look like? So um, talk to us a little bit about that because you've had. You know, you were very involved in helping us research that and build it out. Mm -hmm. um, what did you find as you were kind of going through that with us? Yeah, so let me just start with from a couple years ago, really when we had the start of the pandemic, and I, I hate bringing that up, but I just, I have to set it for context. So uh, prior to that, we had a real healthy uh, innovation uh, investment ecosystem. And so the VCs was very healthy. And we kind of went into the pandemic and I, I almost saw that as, oh, shoot, are we going to see a slowdown in venture capital funding uh, or just private funding in general? And what actually happened is we saw a significant rise. And, and I think what happened is we were all forced to innovate over that time. And so we had 
accelerated digital transformation, which meant the startups, the startups needed more capital to run. And so we actually saw 2020 and 2021 were back-to-back record years for the amount of money going in technology. And, and it was really driven by that digital transformation that these companies were going through, where we started to see record adoption of SaaS and cloud. And I, I recently just saw a report where a tra- uh, traditional data center spending is actually now less than cloud spending. And so we really ramped up the adoption rate there, which ramped up uh, VC funding. And as a result of this kind of fast growth as well, we started to see valuations really start to skyrocket and see an all-time high. I, I think one of the ones that is always quoted is that when Snowflake went public, uh, they were about 100x their annual revenue, which is absolutely unheard of. And so when they went public, 100x, it's crazy. And so uh, that started to trickle into the private markets, which really was just competitive based off of capital. Who's going to get in on these companies? Uh, but the, the, when the times were good, the VCs were able to do that. And so kind of leaping into 2022, what we've actually seen is a slowdown in VC funding. And so it's been about 20% each quarter we've slowed down. Uh, with that said, we're still above pre-pandemic levels of funding, uh, but the valuations have started to come down. And this is really a result of what's kind of going on in the economy, supply chain shortages, inflation, uh, and so now the VCs are actually having to do a little bit more due diligence than they had before. So 2021, they were able to get terms done within 24 hours. Now they're spending a little bit more time in making sure that these are viable products because just because of the uh, economic situation right now, folks are trying to extend their run rates with their money. Now, I will say a lot of these startups have built up a lot of capital and have a lot of runway. Uh, but for others, you'll actually have seen a lot of layoffs lately, and that's just them trying to extend their run rate uh, because the valuations have they've come back down to a little bit more normal, where I think it's like 20, 30x yeah. ARR. Yeah, you know, Troy, it's, right, it's kind of interesting what, what you just described, and, and, and you very nicely kind of described it and packaged it, is really similar to a, a lot of what we've seen in the technology space over the last couple of years, right? Um, the, 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 the emergence of the digital transformation or the rapid acceleration, I guess is a better way to phrase it, of the digital transformation, starting with you know, the pandemic, I think has taken a lot of people by surprise, frankly. Um, but it also is a great indicator of why you know, guys like us have been in, been in this business you know, uh, and certainly in my case, for as long as I have, because technology will solve a lot of problems. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're starting to see, right? Um, and so it has been a fun period. So you, you talked a little bit about s- some of the technologies, but what what technology segments are you seeing that are getting the most attention, uh, or, you know, either over mm-hmm. the last couple of years and, and, you know, as we go forward, what do you, what do you see? Yeah, I, I think there's some high-level buckets of where it's going. I think I saw a stat that 70% of private investing is going into technology. And then, so that's primarily where I focus my efforts and where I'm monitoring 
a lot of the deals. But within that technology segment, I kind of break it up into enterprise tech or enterprise software, which is probably the leading area within technology. I think it's roughly about 30% of that. Uh, and then it goes into consumer technology. So you can think of a lot of like the social media companies and things like that, where it's just going to be on a Apple app store, Google app store, that type of technology. And, and then it's followed by things like fintech. So financial services has seen a huge disruption over the years. So disruptions to things like banking, lending, payments. So there's a lot of activity there. Uh, and then we also see within uh, healthcare as well is kind of the other one. And healthcare is one, because of the pandemic, there's a lot of stuff, but there's still just a lot of innovation happening within healthcare and actually biopharma as well. And sometimes people separate those two out. Uh, but kind of going back to enterprise software, enterprise technology, because that's where really that's where my bread and butter is. And this is where I spend most of my time. Uh, the way that I've kind of bucketized the enterprise software categories, and some of these will leak into the others, is you've got your enterprise IT software technology, you've got your business unit technology, and then you've got a vertical technology. So technology specific to different industries. And so looking within those uh, enterprise software, I'm seeing a big uptick in primarily two areas which is data and cybersecurity. And so there's a lot happening there. Data is kind of becoming the foundation of all IT practices, whether you're doing IT ops, whether you're doing business intelligence, whether you're doing cybersecurity, data is kind of the foundation. And so a lot of folks are still in the process of figuring out what data do we have? How do we clean it? How do we get it ready for analysis? And so, um, but the big areas of that are business intelligence and data science. So kind of those two sides of the coin. And then cybersecurity is just kind of as we've transformed digitally and then we've started to move to remote workforce, move to the cloud, we've kind of expanded our attack surface, which has increased our need to secure more areas. And so there's a lot of technologies coming to market to really, how do we solve the remote work security challenge? How do we solve the challenge of securing in the cloud? And then another area that's really interesting is uh, securing applications as well. And so you're starting to see IT operations and responsibilities really start to leak down into the developer. And so there's been a lot of technology to help developers secure their code before they push it to production. Um, just two tiny bits on the next couple. So business unit software, think of these as uh, marketing, sales, uh, HR tech, those are kind of some big areas. And then vertical tech is going to line up same with like the financial services, healthcare, retail, supply chain and logistics. Those are kind of the big ones there. So I know there's a lot, but I hopefully I kind of showed you some of the areas that at least where I'm seeing really get a lot of traction. Yeah. So, so, you know, you mentioned earlier a little bit about the VCs and how they're operating now and, and some of the transition that we'll see, you know, sort of post-COVID days. But, you know, I would assume that they're seeing, you know, we mentioned cybersecurity, and obviously that makes a ton of sense for all the reasons you mentioned. I would assume that these folks are seeing just a proliferation of, you know, emerging, you know, vendor vendors in that space. Mm -hmm. um, and so how do you see 
them, you know, sort of developing their investment plans? And is anything going to change significantly? Or do you think it will stay kind of focused in those areas for a little while, at least in the IT area? Yeah, so I think for the foreseeable future, we're going to see these as common themes and their investment thesis is. And and the reason I say that is because a lot of VC is long-term play as well. And so you think about folks investing in public market, you can see returns really quickly within, let's say, four to five years. When you're looking at venture capital, a lot of them aren't seeing returns up to like 10 years. And so they're really focused on who are going to be the big players 10 years out. And so uh, for the foreseeable future, I don't think we're solving data problems. I don't think we're solving cybersecurity problems. I think areas that they might start to be more interested in is things like Web3, Metaverse, Mm -hmm. some of these more emerging technologies, maybe even like quantum computing in a sense. And we've already seen some of the folks dabble in that today, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a drawback now that they're doing a little bit more due diligence and they're going to kind of stick to what they know. And so, and what they do well is IT or hardware and software, which most of them are only doing software nowadays. And so cybersecurity, cloud, data, digital experience, those are kind of the areas I see them in the future, I will say that some of the things that have changed over time is just how they're investing. And so a lot of times people would have to move out to Silicon Valley to raise their fund and really assemble their team out in California. Well, we're starting to see it be a lot more distributed. And some of these uh, some of these venture capital firms are saying, hey, we're no longer headquartered in Silicon Valley. We're actually distributed. So you can raise money out of New York or the Midwest and really start to attract entrepreneurs from everywhere and let them live wherever they want and recruit teams from wherever they want. So that's one thing that I think is actually going to increase the amount of opportunities for at least the entrepreneurs. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. And that is frankly consistent with um, a lot of what the you know hybrid work trend uh, is, is leading to. Uh, well, I will say one thing relative to the, you know, to the 10 year horizon, so the good news for you is you'll probably be on a podcast 10 years from now talking about it. Uh, and the good news for me is I probably won't be with you. Right? <laughs> uh, when I think of 10 year horizons, that's pretty significant. But when you think back to some of these companies uh, that have done very, very well, relatively quickly, but you know, Snowflake is a, you know, is a great example uh, of, of one. In fact, today's an interesting day. Um, and you know, this thing will, end up hitting the wire, um, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But it should be noted today that the overall stock market's down about 2%. And Snowflake is probably the only stock right now that you could find that's actually up. Really? That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I I digress. Um, Mm -hmm. So bringing it a little closer to home, uh, you know, from a distribution standpoint, um, obviously, you know, there's been uh, a, a lot of significant mergers and activities over the last couple of years. There's been a lot of, um, you know, companies being acquired by private equity. There's been distributors going public. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the in the dis- distribution landscape um, over the last couple of years, and where do you think that's going? 
Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. One, I'll talk about where M&A just for, in general is at, and then I'll talk about where I think it's kind of important for distribution in the channel. And so uh, we, we've seen a lot of acquisitions in distribution, and I'll talk about that. But last year was, a, once again, a record year for amount of mergers and acquisitions, even through these crazy valuations. And so for me, I I, th I don't think that we're going to see as many M&As this year, but they're going to continue to be here. And specific examples of this is cybersecurity industry, incredibly fragmented, so many solutions out there, end customers are confused, partners are confused. I really need like a few go-to partners to go to market with. And so you're going to see a lot of these go-to partners start to acquire platforms. And so... So look to the large manufacturers to continue to innovate through acquisitions. And so we're going to continue to see that with large firms there. Um, and then for the rest of the industry, I, I just think it's going to be a similar story as the cybersecurity. Uh, but for partners, and this isn't really around acquisitions, but what's super interesting for partners and going to market with VC-backed companies is uh, that you look at where the headcount goes to a lot of these emerging technologies and startups, it's going to engineering and product development. So I think like 80% of their resources is in engineering and product development, which gives a huge opportunity for the channel to really be that go-to-market partner because you can't be spending 80% of your resource on engineering and expect to have that solid go-to-market. So that's where I think there's a really solid play there. Uh, but I do see consolidation all across the board within the distribution. So uh, we saw this with the, the Tech Data Cynics merger last year. Uh, we are, we're also seeing it this year with folks uh, across into Europe uh, with Nubius and, and another merger going on there. And so we're going to continue to see mergers and acquisitions, I think, within the channel. Uh, and even looking at my previous role, in where I worked uh, at Trace3, they've acquired, since I've left, probably four or five uh, smaller resellers as well. And so we're going to continue to see consolidations. One, and for two reasons. And one, you're going to see it for capabilities. And so think about maybe someone is looking to have a network operations center to help with IT ops services. Maybe that they don't have it. They're going to go out and acquire to get that capability or maybe they don't have a whole lot of data. I think data is one of the big gaps within the channel right now. And they're going to probably go out and buy firms to help with the data story, the data science, and uh, the business intelligence. So that's one use case. The other use case is going to be around um, geography. And so being able to expand to geography. So my my old company was primarily in California. So how do you expand to the East Coast? How do you expand international a lot of that's going to be driven through acquisition. And to be honest, right now, with the way that acquisitions are today, it's a good market to be acquiring. Um, I think it's just going to be up to the vendors whether they accept that valuation that they're at right now. Well, a lot of it is, um, a lot of it also will be um, just how do you figure out a way to grow? I mean, it's, it's hard for a lot of companies just to continue with the organic growth. Um, and it will be harder even um, if we end up in some sort of a recession or at least some sort of a significant recession. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, when, when you can figure out a way to 
merge, uh, acquire and merge companies, you get some economies of scale, but you also get some built-in, you know, growth. The key is obviously both parties are at odds relative to <laughs> what the valuations need to be, right? Right, because, right. You know, we're kind of at a sky high period right now. I think that'll start to come down. My senses with with the way the economy's looking here, mm -hmm. that'll start to come down a little bit. And so we may it may actually accelerate um, some some of that because I will tell you, I know in my experience um, in my network, there's a lot of folks that I've known who've been in the space for 25, 30 years that really aren't interested in going through another you know recession every period. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's for kind sure. Of like, I've been through it. I've been through, you know, the, the, the 90s. I was through the 2008, you know, scenario, went through the COVID scenario. I don't really want to do that anymore. And so I actually think the M&A activity will continue. And the distributive piece is interesting because what I think has happened, and maybe some of it's to your point, because that 80% uh, stat is mm -hmm. a really interesting stat relative to where the dollars are going with these new companies is that I think people have finally woken up to the fact that that from a go-to-market standpoint, distribution is you know, more than essential, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and and when they start looking at the the requirements, because you know, in the day, and Dave, Dave and I used to talk about this all the time, distribution was a bank in a warehouse, right? Well, yep. it's far more than a bank in a warehouse today. Still provides the financial support still provides the basic warehousing stuff, but there's also a ton more that they're doing through their platforms and through their marketplaces, et cetera, that are helping vendors and solution providers get there. And I think people have figured that out. And that's why the valuations are so high because they're based on their future expectations, right? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right, Frank. And I think the other side of that is, you're talking about how the distributors are evolving uh, that the vendors are looking for that as well. And so as they've kind of shifted to more of a SaaS type of model, they're looking to the distributors to help them out in this new model as well. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve, but uh, it really provides that uh, the scale that these new technologies really need. And so they're clamoring for it and they need it. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it evolves with things like the marketplaces that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that's, that's happened is when you start looking at what has happened with, um, you know, private companies or, or public companies going, being pulled in private. Uh, and then, you know, then the reverse happening, obviously, with the TD Cinex uh, merger, where then TD went back to a public company. You know, Ingram went from being owned by, you know, HNA public to being owned by HNA to being owned by Platinum and, you know, et, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, I, it, what's happened, though, is, is it, there's been a lot of that in North America. And I actually think that over time, we're going to start to see more of it in Europe. And you, yeah. you referenced it a little bit with Nuvius and, and some others, but I think mm -hmm. that'll continue to take place and that'll be significant from a global standpoint, uh, for sure. I totally agree. And one of the interesting things about technology in the US and Europe is it, it seems to be on just a little bit of a shifted timeline. And so what happens in the US in terms of adoption of a technology, I typically start to see like six months later 
within in Europe. And so that's just something you got to consider as well as uh, the, the technology adoption life cycle is just a little bit different out there. Not that they're not looking at emerging technologies, but oftentimes the technologies that are early here are not ready for the international business out there. And so you kind of have, Europe kind of has to wait and play catch up for these companies to get mature enough to get over to the international play. And, that, and the distributors help play a huge role in helping them do that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, we're kind of getting to the end here, Troy, um, but I didn't want to leave without mentioning and, and asking you to comment a little bit on, uh, so the Vation Ventures uh, Summit is coming up here in uh, in uh, September. Yep. And, you know, you guys, I know we're getting together, I don't know, probably 70 to 100 different, you know, companies uh, at that event. Talk to me a little bit about that and what you guys have traditionally yeah. done and what do you expect this year? Of course. So I think what's really cool uh, about our Bation Forum event is that we bring the entire ecosystem together. And so I think this is one of maybe few uh, get conferences that actually do that. So we've got venture capitalists in the room. We've got startups in the room. We've got executives from large manufacturers in the room. We've got distributors, resellers, and we even have CIOs from end customers. And so everyone comes together in really a day of thought leadership of learning about where technology is going. And so we're kind of learning together. And so we've got things like panels with the CIOs to learn what's going on with the CIOs. We've got panels with the venture capitalists to understand where their heads at, where their thesis is, where is their where they place in their bets. Uh, we have a, a startup showcase. And so we have uh, some of our favorite emerging technologies actually give a kind of speed dating five minute style pitch. Uh, and so really just to give us a teaser and figure out kind of how they're disrupting markets. And so there's a lot of cool things. And I, like I said, I think the really exciting part is that everyone's there together and it's not just kind of segmented out like some of these other conferences. And uh, really, if you want to know more information about that, it you can go check out bationventures.com slash the forum. And that's actually on September 15th through the 17th yep. uh, this yep. year. Yep, that's great. Well, we will uh, we'll be there. GTDC has uh, sponsored a, uh, a panel there. And so I'll be talking to um, a number of our uh, senior leadership uh from the various distributor companies globally. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. And to your point, that audience is a unique audience because you do catch everybody, uh, a great cross section. So, well, good. Well, Troy, this has been, this has been really uh, enjoyable from my standpoint. I know that the listeners are gonna like it. Um, so just from a closing standpoint, any, anything to add, any, any crystal ball that you have relative to what you see coming? Just give, give us your quick, quick thoughts on that. Uh, really, I just want to thank you, Frank, for having me on. Uh, this has been super fun to chat about investments, especially since I'm doing this day in and day out. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, so I can't give you a whole lot in terms of the future. But um, for anyone that wants to know more, uh, just go ahead and go check out some of our research articles on vationventures.com. So we're, po we're posting a lot of times, like what's the future of cloud management? What's the future of data? You can get some teasers there on our website and 
And if you want to learn more, you can get in touch there as well. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, Troy, thanks again. Really appreciate your time and look forward to continuing to work with, uh, with you guys.